0: So, maybe you're a crazy person, like me, who has over 400 reigns, and you want to name them all. Or maybe you love creating new characters for D&D. Or maybe you just really like learning the meaning and origins behind some of your favorite nerdy character names from pop culture. Well then, it sounds like you need Naming Your Little Geek by Scott Rupp. This is an incredibly fun and easy read. It taught me not only is Ulrich the name of a war god, but also a Sith master. It also comes with one more added benefit. It's a great resource for naming your babies follow the link in the description below and pick up your copy of naming your little geek today hello and welcome to geeks with shield it's your home for all things good and nerdy in this the darkest timeline i'm lord commander Ork, and with me as always
1: is his shield brother axel right
0: and if you can't tell axel is dying
1: i i'm not dying i am not well either and if i sound bad it's because so i'm really dizzy right now and i've been for a couple hours actually about three hours at this point and uh, it's, it's not bad right now. It kind of comes and goes in waves. I think I might have some light food poisoning because my work brought in some, or they ordered from a pretty crappy place today. We get food on Wednesdays for free, but it was crummy. And because I'm really dizzy, I didn't feel comfortable driving home. So I don't have my normal microphone set up right now. And I'm using my, my computer, my laptop's built-in microphone. So I apologize for a drop in quality, but... I didn't want to crash in a ditch
0: somewhere, so... For those of you playing the home game, Waxel has made the first move. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> you can tell it's working because you're just like, you know what? He can have it at this point. I'm just going to lie down now.
1: Yeah, I've got enough other problems. I, uh, I la- last Thursday, so since last time we talked, um, I have a broken irrigation pipe.
0: Okay, seriously, dude. What the hell?
1: Yeah, well, so I started digging that hole... But then it started snowing two days ago. and then Oh, then God
0: fucking damn it.
1: So now that's on. So the hole's deep enough that I can see the top of the broken pipe, but I'm not under it yet, and I'm waiting until probably Friday before I recontinue doing that.
0: We got to make this like an ongoing saga of what broke at Axel's house today. Or what broke in my life. So <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Did you step on a leprechaun or some shit? I don't know.
1: Uh, I i I hesitate to say that I have bad luck, and more. I just have no luck. I'm just not surprised when shit happens to me at this point. So. I
0: know, but like this house is one ongoing saga of shit, and I feel bad for you.
1: Eh. Well, why don't we talk about something more positive? I believe you get to uh, to name our illustrious legion.
0: Yes, our patrons, the people that not only support this podcast, but help distract Axel from whatever's breaking in his house next. Our wonderful, wonderful patrons they are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Bay, Brandon Knight, John Vinnels, Kip Kenny, Seth Decker, Donna Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Carson Amel, Scott Ruman, Derek Ducati, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join the illustrious legion, get your name right off at the top of every episode. head on over to patreon.com forward slash shields. 25 cents an episode is a dollar a month. That is the least that we are asking. And in exchange, you get early access to all our content.
1: Yay. (laughs) Sorry, I'll try to be... I I expect my energy will not be great because I can feel it right now, like pressing at my temples. But, okay, so today... I happen to know what we're doing. We are, I mean, spoiler, I know what we're doing every time, but gotta put on a show, right? And today we're bringing back something that we have been doing since the beginning of this podcast. I don't remember when the last time we did one is, though.
0: We haven't done a Gone But Not Forgotten in a hot minute.
1: Yeah, now for anyone who hasn't listened to our previous ones, the original idea of Gone, for not forgotten, gone But Not Forgotten was that we would talk about things that were older or that weren't talked about very frequently i'm going to repeat that because my computer clicked while um while that happened so the idea of god not forgotten for those who or have not seen one before is that the original idea anyway was that we would talk about things that hadn't that weren't in popular culture anymore at least to our perspective uh, that were older um that seemed to have been forgotten but that we were really into now since then because neither one of us are like you know encyclopedias of popular culture or anything like that so we've kind of just shifted in general, to things that we like or we're into that we don't feel like get talked about in popular culture as is. Like, I'm going to talk about two things today that I know have been very popular at points in the past, but I've run into many people younger than me who don't know what they are. So that kind of was appropriate. I was going to
0: give you shit, Like, I feel like both your choices do not qualify. But if we're taking the Gen Z vote into account, Yeah. yeah, fuck Gen Z. So
1: that's, that's Kids what I mean, don't know that,
0: nothing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I know I've chosen two things that were very popular, except the number of people I've run into who don't know what they are amazes me.
0: So you must interact with a lot more, you know, people younger than you than I do. But then you, know, you interact with more people than I do. I'm an old crotchety man.
1: My work does cycle through. We hire like high schoolers and stuff to do the operator uh, roles in our warehouse sometimes. So
0: not gonna touch that one with a ten foot pole, given the current climate of things.
1: Or maybe they're. Co- I don't know if it's high schoolers, but it's, like, very young people.
0: You, you live in Idaho. It is entirely possible.
1: Yeah. I just know that we've had all oh, – I might be mixing up. It's complicated. I know we have college-age people. I think we've had some high schoolers. But I think they were related to – I don't know. I'm not the Heath one in charge Shills of – does not
0: endorse child labor. <laughs> we are strong advocates of the current labor laws in this country.
1: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't – anyway, there's a whole conversation there that's not my business. So <laughs> – Anyway, why don't, because I've got two written down and you've got three written down. I don't know if we're going to get through all five, but why don't we start with one of yours then?
0: So I'm going to talk about one that is near and dear to my heart. And I had kind of thought, forgotten about until someone go, oh yeah, the TV series for that is coming out this year. And that's Twisted Metal.
1: I know I've talked about Twisted Metal. I've I'm, I'm forgotten before.
0: Twisted Metal, I want to say, was one of the flagship games of the original PlayStation. Yeah. PlayStation. I don't know for sure. Like, it, it it, feels like we all, everyone that had a PlayStation, I feel like they had Twisted Metal or Twisted Metal 2.
1: It's funny because I remember Twisted Metal 3 was the one that all the people in my general circle had, and I had to go yeah. find Twisted Metal 2.
0: Twisted Metal 2, I never had Twisted Metal. I had Twisted Metal 1, and I had 3, and I had 4.
1: I never played 1. I had three, I had four, I had black, I had small brawl, and I eventually got the 2011 one that came out. By the I'm way, not talking I, about that one's a mixed bag. I double checked. Twisted metal was the fifth gone but, not for to- gone but not forgotten topic I ever used. I keep a list so I don't repeat myself.
0: <laughs> because it's a great concept for a game, and I don't know why it hasn't come back.
1: Well, for anyone who doesn't know, because again, they haven't been make they haven't made a single game. These,
0: these dropped off hard. Yeah. I mean, maybe the TV show will re-spark interest, but the basic elevator pitch is this is a tournament where people fight each other in cars to get wishes granted by an enigmatic figure named Calypso and mm-hmm. there's always like a monkey's paw twist to the wishes
1: well not always most of the time uh, usually if the wish is evil then he'll just grant it straight so
0: no that's true I don't know I just remember... The third game where Minion wants to, you know, rule over Hell on Earth, so he gets put in charge of Hell, Michigan.
1: Oh, every wish in three is ironic. It depends on the ah. the, the game. Like, in, oh, okay. uh, in Twist of the Metal 2 and Black, I believe, there are plenty of times... Actually, in Black is the most times where Calypso gives the people exactly what they want, so...
0: Black was a weird entry, because the game started extremely tongue-in-cheek.
1: I love like, Twist the Metal Black, but it really is of its time and it came i like
0: to, parts of it
1: yeah i i mean i memorized sweet tooth's video dialogue from his three videos when i was younger and i still remember most of it
0: also but like the first one sidebar
1: i had my girlfriend record or not record edit one of our recordings and she pointed out that i say so at the end of my sentences a lot and I think that I do that because it's a it's like a way for me to verbally communicate to you that I'm done with my sentence but now I can't stop noticing it and it's driving me crazy
0: <laughs> see you notice that when you start editing you notice your little verbal filler words or your ticks. and yes as soon as you notice one and you're training to wait that's when a new one inserts itself
1: yeah anyway point is <laughs> twist metal so the original one because again cars death cars you – it's a combination of like what we refer to today as a Battle Royale game. In fact, I would yeah. argue the Battle Royale game kind of evolved out of what Twisted Metal set forth, but you were in cars instead of on foot. And yeah, kind of a racing game because not actually That racing. makes me
0: think that this is like perfect for a comeback because everyone loves a Battle Royale now.
1: True. It's what, Fortnite? Uh, is the big one?
0: Fortnite or? and PUBG are the two big ones. I feel
1: like PUBG is barely anything
0: nowadays. I don't know. I didn't. Fortnite got really weird from when I noticed it to where it is now, which I thought it's a fair degree of time, but it does look at that. And I feel like my parents must have when they saw those Dragon Ball Z t shirts. <laughs> it's
1: popular.
0: like, I recognize some of those characters, but that one's just a copy of that one. Well, it's funny because,
1: so in a Battle Royale game, Like Fortnite, you get dropped. You and a bunch of people get dropped into a big map, and then the goal is for one person to be left alive. You go around collect, picking up weapons and whatnot that are strewn about, stealing weapons from people you kill. I think in Fortnite there's a building mechanic, but in Twisted Metal it was not as many, you know, players. But theoretically, it's you and like. 10 to 15 other vehicles dropped. Yeah, depending
0: on the map, like, some were bigger maps, some were smaller, and it was different vehicles, and then some at the end, once they would introduce the boss, and the boss was always super strong and came with, you know, like, a really good special.
1: Yeah, but it was the same concept. You get dropped into basically a map that was usually, you know, something, some landmark. I love in 3, they're different like, cities fully, but and then you go around picking up pickups which are usually weapons but also ammo or not ammo, uh, because of ammo it was, was special thing? weapons
0: health. health armor and then just regular weapons
1: yeah and also because of the, the time frame these came out there were directional input quote-unquote cheats but they weren't really cheats they're more like special things you can do like if you pressed from remember correctly it's like if you just press down down up you'd shoot a freeze missile but it cost yeah. you like a special bar. So it was something you were supposed to be able to do.
0: Yeah, it took away from your boost,
1: I think. Yeah.
0: I think they made it its It There might, might have bar been its own thing. Later. Yeah. But also each of the characters was really unique. And that was the game, how the game determined difficulty. Is different characters and different vehicles had different sliding scale. Like, oh, this one might be faster, but he has lower armor. This one might have higher armor, but his turn isn't as good. So you could literally tailor the difficulty of the game by who you were playing, and even their specials were kind of balanced around that. Like, yeah. okay, well this guy, he's really hard, he's really fast, he has no armor, but his special attack is really strong, but it's really hard to use. <laughs>
1: you just described Mr. Grimm. There are yes, there are a few specific vehicles that are in every Twisted Metal, all of them. And Mr. Grimm is yep. one of them. Mr. Grimm is in every single Twisted Metal. He is always a dude on a – well, actually – with the exception of Twist Metal Four, which I'll get to in a second, which is a little different. But he is always a dude on a motorcycle who shoots in a straightforward line some projectile that like does the most damage of any attack in the game, but it just goes straight. So you gotta know where you're shooting it.
0: Yep. He was uh he was so much fun to use, but he was also so hard because you get rammed, that's it, half your health is gone.
1: Yeah. And actually no, he wasn't Twisted Metal 4 as well. I'm just mixing him up with Mr. Zombie in Twisted Metal 4. Because, fun thing, in Twisted Metal 2 and 3, because I don't think it was in 1, Rob Zombie did a lot of the music, or at least He did all the music. Um, Not all of it, because they, I think they started mixing it, but they certainly took a lot of his song. Like, uh, Twisted Metal 3 opened up with um, Super Creeper, or I can't remember what the song is called. I'm not a huge zombie fan myself, but I remember upon a that- when- time I was. Yeah, I remember that what I do like uh, of him was certainly in Twisted Metal. But so in Twisted Metal 4, they just straight up put him in the game as a character, Mr. Grimm, and he drove the, the Dracula, which was great. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Mr. Grimm is one of the Constants. Another one is Sweet Tooth, who is the yeah, mascot. Yeah, Sweet Tooth,
0: yeah, he's like, yeah, no, Sweet Tooth definitely, I never liked Sweet Tooth because I fucking hate clowns, but no, he, he took over the franchise for better
1: or worse. Yeah, Sweet Tooth is the mascot. He is a, a clown with a head on fire, and he drives an ice cream truck. And how good he is would vastly shift from game to game, because it was just in all three. He was like the worst vehicle in the, he, was,
0: he had terrible turn. He yeah. was just and he would get horrible. Knocked,
1: and he was so top-heavy that he'd get knocked over super easy. And his
0: special sucked because it was just a napalm blast.
1: And it would hurt himself, too. Yeah. Sweet
0: yeah. Tooth um,
1: fucking sucked. But on the other hand, Twist Metal Black, Sweet Tooth is awesome. They shrunk him down a bit so he wasn't as top-heavy. The car actually has one of the better handling in the entire game. And his special is that he turns into a robot and then shoots 20 missiles. So...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Darkside bounced uh, in and out of a lot of the franchise. He started as a big black semi truck. If,
1: if I remember correctly, because like I said, there are three that are in every single game. Twist, uh, Sweet Tooth, and Grim are two of them. I think the third one is Axel. Who? Ax-
0: no, Axel's not in the first one. He's not in the first one.
1: No, he came I'm in the second. Sure, he one. is.
0: Because uh, yeah, you might be right. I thought Axel was in. <sighs> Axel or Thumper got added in two. I can't remember which though. I'm looking this up. Yeah, uh, the cop was almost in all of them, Outlaw. but I can't remember. Outlaw, yeah. Uh, Roadkill was in a lot of them. Warthog was in a lot of them. Augur bounced back and forth depending. Augur
1: was in three, certainly. I don't. Yeah, I think he. I think he got started in two. Yeah, uh, I, I just checked. Axel first appeared in Twist Metal Two. So
0: you're right. Yeah, cuz I'm I have I played a lot of 1 and 3. Like 3 has some of my favorite missions like there's Area 51 with the secret UFO power up and oh, yeah. Santa's workshop with the secret power up. 3
1: is comparatively a pretty bad game all things considered, uh compared to That's two, what I hear, but, but
0: I love 3. 3 is the one I have the fondest memories.
1: Of. I love 3 as well, but I get what they're going for, but I love the maps. Like the maps yes. are, the first map is just downtown Los Angeles, and then you go to like Washington, D.C., and then you go to like London, and yeah, there's an Area London, 51.
0: Area 51, Tokyo, because you're fighting on the rooftops. Oh, is Spectre the one who was in all of them as well? Maybe. He was the sports car, usually.
1: Yeah, Spectre's a sports car, similar to uh, Mr. Grimm in that he's super fast and super.
0: But he had a decent special. Well, his usually. special
1: was a lot lower damaging, but it could never miss, was always his. That's right.
0: Yeah, I know. He had Warthog's one, but not as good.
1: Yeah. And uh, when I was in high school, my nickname for a while was Minion, but had nothing to do with Minion from Twisted Metal, but that's what I always thought of when I heard it. Minion's a... So, with the narrative, because we, we've talked a lot about the gameplay, but the actual narrative in Twisted Metal was that Calypso was this dude, possibly the devil himself, depending on what game you're looking at, but... At the very least, he was a guy with this ring that could allow him to collect the souls of the dead. So he creates the Twist Metal Tournament as a way to cause carnage so that he can collect more souls. And then, you know, he gets people to join the tournament by promising them a single wish. And, you know, you get these characters like Mr. Grimm in Twist Metal 3 is literally like the Grim Reaper. And yeah. And he, he wants Calypso's soul. <laughs> And so Calypso steps on him because sole of shoe and whatnot. And then in Twisted Metal Black and Twisted Metal... There's a there's one after Black that follows the same continuity of Black, but I forget what it's called. But there was there, another one after Black? Technically, there's two. Two of them that come after Black. No. Yeah. But it's highly implied that all the events of Twisted Metal Black are actually happening in the comatose mind of uh, Needle's cane, which is Sweet Tooth's real... Uh, name, so it gets yeah, there's some meta stuff going on there,
0: but I don't. I seriously, like I said, that falls into the parts I don't like about black.
1: Black controls amazingly, though. Although, yeah, uh, I'll say that the my, my favorite car in all twisted metal is like only in two twisted metal games. It's in it's in uh twisted metal two, and it's in like one other game, but I can't remember which one, which is Grasshopper. Or,
0: yeah,
1: is it Grasshopper? Thumper? There's
0: Thumper, Thumper's in three. Uh no, it's not Thumper. It's, it's is it Oh now I'm sorry. we've had this discussion before too. I know we have.
1: Well, because the driver is is Calypso's daughter. I just can't remember. Oh, she's in one and two. Yeah, she's not in one. She's in two. Yeah, because her head
0: she's a robot and she blows up because she wants to meet her dad.
1: Yeah, I just grass yeah, it's Grasshopper. I just double checked, it's Grasshopper. And what I like about her is that her special is this ridiculous thing where the vehicle hops and then it locks on while it's hopped. To the closest vehicle and then it just gets a super boost and rams them but it rams them it homes in on them so you don't have to control it so you just watch as the car rams into something it's great
0: yeah they gave that one to the granny that drove the monster truck in three.
1: Oh yeah that's yeah i forgot what they called her because it's not hammerhead hammerhead is the rocker dude so one thing we should be getting across here Twisted metal similar to has a thing that i like in the fighting games where there's just so much personality yeah, yep. The characters that you really latch on to specific characters and you'll learn to like it's important to like how the car plays, but I feel like aesthetic is going to get you further. So oh, yeah. Well,
0: this is a hangover from the heyday of Couchside Co op. Oh, yeah, certainly. you had the car that you knew how to use and the player knows how to use and the map. So you would do this with your friends. You would also beat this game countless times so you could get all of the movies to you know all of the endings.
1: Yeah. And then. I I like every twist metal game to one degree or another. Even I'm a defender of Small Brawl. Small Brawl is considered by many to be the worst twist metal game, and it was. I think four is way worse. I love. Well, I think four is the most difficult, which is actually why I like four. But yeah,
0: it's all four is just it's it feels rushed. Well, four in a lot of ways.
1: 4 has some things going for it that are odd, like 4 has the least number of returning characters, it has the the most, the biggest new roster, it changed up the story heavily by having Sweet Tooth be the one running the, the tournament, which allowed Clipso to be a driver who drives a, a nuclear device, which is kind of neat. It also has a boss at the end of every single level. And, yeah. and most of the bosses are ridiculously overpowered. Like, level two's boss is a guy called Moonbuggy, and his special is he shoots these three orbs that that get to you, start shocking you, lifting you in the air so you can't drive, and just damaging you for like 30
0: seconds. Yeah, I didn't enjoy Four, there's not any fun vehicles in Four, and this is where it kind of starts, it almost feels like it goes what we get too far in black of, it gets almost lordy, and it loses the comedy that was inherent to it.
1: I disagree, I feel like Four still had plenty of comedy. It, it, for- it's
0: there, but it's starting like starting to lean into, because everyone was so grim and serious, and it's like, yeah, okay.
1: Dude, are- You serious? Have you looked at the roster of four? That includes things like a leprechaun who wants to be giant. A There was a leprechaun in that one? Yeah. Uh I forgot what his car's name is, but he was he shot 30 speed missiles was his ability. But yeah, he's totally just a leprechaun. He wants to be a giant. And
0: yeah, I have very little memories of four because I didn't like it, and I just went back to playing three. three.
1: There's also the Jones family, which is basically the family from vacation, if they were in twisted metal. (laughs) <laughs> there's tons of ridiculous nonsense. The Jones
0: is the only one I ever beat the game with.
1: I, I beat it with oh. There's also a Pizza Boy who is hilarious and he like raps his wish. He was in that ridiculous like you know doesn't get it kind of way. But point is, four had tons of crazy humor in it. Small. Maybe, I just have
0: so little memory of it because again, I didn't like it. It was it felt ugly in a way that's weird to say about a game from that era.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like as someone who didn't like it at first but came to love it, because I was expecting more Twisted Metal 3, and I didn't get that, and I think it's better than Twisted Metal 3 now. But anyway, I just wanted to say real quick, because I want to defend Small Brawl. Small Brawl is seen as the worst one. Small Brawl was made as a essentially an afterthought after they made Black, which is funny because they made a PlayStation 2 game and then released a PlayStation one game because small brawl wasn't really, they didn't really devote a lot of resources to it. It was more like, Oh, here's a fun idea. Let's go ahead and put it together as like a companion piece to black. Cause black was, we're going to go all in on seriousness, basically no more comedy at all. It's going to treat this super serious. So small brawl is going to be the complete opposite where instead of people in death cars, it's a bunch of kids with RC cars <laughs> destroying shit.
0: <laughs> I love the concept. I never played the game, but I thought the concept was amazing.
1: It's the slowest, like the ah. actual the actual gameplay feels extremely sluggish compared to everything else. But if you can get past that, it's got such charm that I I played through. I think with every character I beat with in Small Brawl, like one of my favorites was a uh, a Return of Trist Metal One, Crimson Fury, who in Small Brawl is a kid obsessed with James Bond movies, so he wants to be like. They don't call it that specifically, but he's obsessed with spy movies, and he just wants to beat Calypso, the bully Calypso, because he's obviously a
0: supervillain, and the job of a spy would be to beat the supervillain. <laughs> so. That tracks. And I mean, that that works as a great counter, because Black had a lot going for it, in that it had some of the most interesting stories when it's all done out, but it also feels the most of its time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh certainly. Like I said, I, I memorized Sweet Tooth's videos for a reason, but it is it is the edgiest by far. But it it feels like it leans so hard into that edginess, like gothic kind of edginess that it almost comes to that what we've talked about many times with like Grimdark and how it's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's backed up by being as I remember well written enough, which is where the reboot totally loses the thread is it takes that dark tone of you know black and the writing and the gameplay and everything else just isn't there to support it like guys this was a game of fluorescent bright colors fought in washington you know national monuments with puns out the ass well also why are you not going to back to that
1: i also like the remake didn't understand sweet tooth even the updated version because in black sweet tooth is a serial killer
0: and in the He's so, always been kind of sort of, but it was a fun serial killer because we yeah. used to have those in the 90s. For but reasons.
1: in the text of Black, he's like the best serial killer there is. And he is because he is in, he does it for the sake of itself. And a lot of the story is people whose lives have been affected by him for one reason or another, even the ones who don't realize it. And f- for some reason, the sequel and the remake decided. Also, he has, like, a sister, and now his mission is to kill his sister, which creates this – it's just weird and doesn't work.
0: Yeah, no, which then brings us up to the show, which in my mind, I'm like, how the hell have they never done this before? It oh. seems such a simple concept. Well, I mean, they, but then I realized
1: – They've kind of tried. The problem
0: They tried. Death Race exists. I know.
1: Also, Fast and the Furious kind of became that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm mean, arguing like, well, Fast and Furious is right there, but that kind of stuff. I'm like, like, you can have, and this is also with any Street Fighter game or Mortal Kombat game, movie, or any of these other things. Like, you have these great set pieces of the fights, but you have to have story between those, and it's like, oh fuck, yeah, how do you, you know, make characters out of? Some of the dumbest shit that's ever been written.
1: Well, the funny thing is that if they make a Twist Metal show, the lead character, in my opinion, shouldn't be Sweet Tooth. It should be Roadkill. No. Roadkill is the character who shows up in a lot of the Twist Metal games in a really weird capacity, but I think he's the one who would... Because he's usually a homeless dude or someone with amnesia or someone yeah. who is, like, desperate. And I feel like you can make a really good protagonist out of what so is. So,
0: Anthony Mackie is the star of the TV series. Okay. And I am willing to bet now he will be playing outlaw. He will be entering the competition as a way to infiltrate Calypso's street gang and bring them down from the inside.
1: That sounds extremely reasonable if a little rote, but yeah.
0: That's why it's going to happen. I'm like, that just feels boring. Also, I
1: just don't want the protagonist to be a cop. I get, I I know, but.
0: Fuck, I'm right there with you.
1: Yeah, I just don't want to be a police officer. That's why I was like, I think Roadkill would be a better, like, just an individual dude who gets drawn up and stuff that he doesn't understand is way bigger than, but anyway.
0: No, I just, Anthony Mackie seems like a very nice man, but outside the MCU, he's had some very bad choices, acting-wise. At least one good one in Black Mirror, but... Oh, that's that's a whole... Yeah, I'd forgotten about that one. That's a whole other episode. Anyway, I will will say,
1: before we go off, in black, two of my favorite stories are my favorite character in that game and Woundvox's favorite character in that game. Because my favorite character in that game is Roadkill, who is a a person with amnesia, and there's a tragedy to him because at the end of his line... He gets his wish, which is to find out who he was, and he finds out that he was uh, an FBI agent, Uh, and as he finds that out, he realizes he's an FBI agent standing in front of number two on the FBI's top ten most wanted list, and then immediately gets killed, and it's quite a good tragedy. The other character is No-Face, or Crazy 8, which is an example to me of Black going so grim, dark, and gritty as to be ridiculous, because it's a boxer who, in a boxing match lost so bad he had to have surgery, not knowing that his surgeon lost a bunch of money on the fight. So the surgeon takes his eyes out and sews them shut along with his mouth. And so he wants revenge on that surgeon, but he's driving around (laughs) with no eyes.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where the franchise lost the thread. And um, I was like, okay, just, just, just stop. Remember, this started with an ice cream car that shot brass uh, no- plated no faces pants.
1: no faces ending is really great though because at the at the very end calypso delivers the surgeon to him tied to a uh, a boxing heavy bag and then he gives no face a special glove and it's a boxing glove with like scissors and shit taped to it and the last bit of the video is him just reeling back and then the camera goes black and he says It was the first time I ended a fight with one punch. And I don't know, I just I thought it was cool.
0: I I get it, but this is also, like, Twisted Metal 3, Augur's ending is he wants to connect with his inner child, so Calypso makes him a kid.
1: I didn't think that that ending had nothing to do with his... Opening thing.
0: His, his opening intro is totally disconnected, but it's like that's the kind of monkey's paw shit these games yeah. used to be about. Because this opening intro
1: was something like, "I spent my whole life building with these twisted metal junkies destroy in twenty minutes."
0: Yep. Anyway, also be- the intros were great. This was a good game. I want it back in some capacity.
1: Yeah, I would love a proper. Another thing too, the remake was like, oh, the single player you have to play is Sweet Tooth and Mister Grimm and that's and that's it i think
0: oh you can swap out cars no that's not the point of this but also it's like what happened just my
1: arcade mode where i just pick a car and then go through their story why why did you have to kill that what was wrong with that And I know why, because that game was built to be a multiplayer game and they barely gave it any single player, which is was happening a lot in 2011 or 10 or whatever year it was. I think it was 2011. Give me a proper twist Metal game. I'm on board. We've been talking about it for half an hour.
0: It's officially a buckler.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway, let me move on to, I can get through one of mine real quick, which is a movie from the 90s that Ulrich and I, I know, both watch a ton of, and people my age generally watch a ton of, but people younger than me don't know exists, called The Sandlot. And the reason I don't I... believe you. Yeah. and uh, This has why. too
0: much cultural impact for it just to be forgotten.
1: Yeah, except that when I've said multiple times, you're killing me, Smalls, and I like, get looks like, what are you talking, Smalls, what? And I get a hurt inside every time that happens. Ah,
0: <laughs> <sighs> Yeah,
1: okay. So I would love to know if if people are listening to this who don't know what the Sandlot is. Because I'm only bringing it up because I'm tired of people not knowing what it is. But for me, and I think for Ulrich, it was like like a staple of our childhood. It was always on TV somewhere.
0: This came on a lot during, like, it was a 4th of July TBS TNT movie. They stuck in rotation a lot. We watched this in school a lot on, like, the teacher didn't feel like it was movie day. We're going to watch The Sandlot because everyone loves The Sandlot.
1: Yeah, because there was nothing wrong with it. Like, everyone can like it. It was that kind of movie. For for anyone who doesn't know, the plot of The Sandlot is there's this dude. He's telling a story, you know, like, he's doing the narrate over thing that happens in, like, a Christmas story. Which, if you don't know A Christmas Story, I can't help. Anyway, it, but it's about this summer when he moved to this new neighborhood, and he met with, you know, these kids that all play baseball. And they all just play baseball, and for the first half of the movie, it's just, you know, childhood. Like, what it's like to be, you know, 10 to 12 years old, uh, maybe a little more. I like
0: reimagining of the 50s.
1: Yeah, again, it's that kind of like, you know, take place in the 50s-ish, and they're just playing baseball, and... Then you know the last half of the movie is the main kid has a baseball that his stepdad has that's signed by Babe Ruth. He doesn't know who Babe Ruth is, and one day he lets them use that ball because they need an extra ball. They knock that ball into the yard next to the park that has a big dog in it, and they spend the rest of the movie trying to get that ball back once they realize that it's signed by Babe Ruth. So that's
0: all. It's but, a simple it's, – it's a series of vignettes just kind of strung together, and it moves so fucking quick.
1: Yeah, it was the first time I heard the song Tequila. I still largely associate it with the carnival sequence in this movie.
0: Uh, that's Pee-wee's Big Adventure for me.
1: I didn't watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So anyway, but – so like you're killing me, Smalls. The main character gets called Smalls. I don't remember if – It's his last name, isn't it? I think it might be his last name. I, I thought it was either that or he's just really short. The point I is- don't know. I don't know anyone's. I know
0: everyone's nickname, but I don't know their actual names.
1: I don't remember any of their names other than Small. Yeah, yeah.
0: There's Ham. There's Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Benny the
1: Jet is great. Yeah. Benny the Jet is the there's the best. oldest. He's the oldest kid in the group, or if he's not the oldest, he's the tallest by far. And he hit puberty
0: first. Yeah,
1: and he's the best baseball player, and he's the one that the end of the movie reveals went on to become a professional baseball player. Because it does that Stephen King thing where it's like, oh, here's where everyone went, you know, ended up after, but this was the best summer of our lives or something like that. It's one of those kind of stories. It's, it's not the kind no, of thing that I... changes your life or anything, but it's just, it's ingrained in my childhood. I literally feel like it's one of those movies that feels like childhood manifest in a movie.
0: Yeah. No, this is one I don't know the first time I watched this. This is just there since, like, earliest memories.
1: I can't imagine not putting it on for my kids.
0: That's Oh, I've shown it to my daughter. She loves it. Good. It's the big dog movie for her. The big dog movie, yeah. And ironically, when she was a baby, she chewed the fuck out of my DVD copy. Like, the case is just full of tiny child teeth marks. (laughs) And I've kept it because the irony is perfect. I also say, for a movie that came
1: out in... I want to say like the mid nineties, it was shot very well to the point where it still looks like it holds up to me. Like it doesn't look like an older movie
0: at all. No, it it was very, well, there's one bit that is not aged at all, but in the grand scheme of nineties aging, it's nothing.
1: Yeah. Which bit, if I may ask.
0: Oh, it's the pool scene.
1: Oh yeah. Where he sexually
0: assaults the lifeguard.
1: Yeah. So there's a sequence to warn anyone who hasn't seen it going in. It's just, One of the kids, they do the thing where, oh, it's a bunch of 12 year old boys and they are all attracted to the lifeguard, right? Who's an older girl, like probably like 16 or 17 years old. And one of the boys who is the obvious geek, you know, because he's wearing glasses because 90s movies, he decides that he's not going to, you know, just sit by the sidelines anymore. And so he he pretends to drown so that she goes and rescues him, then performs mouth to mouth. And then he reveals that. He's fine, and and you know kisses her as she's trying to give him CPR, and it, it's played off very cutely. And I think for the most part, it gets away with it because it's like that whole twelve year olds with an older you know life. It it taps into I think a very very prominent prepubescent male kind of fantasy. But I do yes,
0: it, 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 it's, it's bad. We recognize it's bad. Now we 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 I'm we're getting. This- we're old okay please not, don't be mad at us
1: yeah i'm it's not okay for someone to actually do that i'm not claiming that i'm just saying that and in the
0: grand scheme of dated shit from the 90s let us have this one there is yeah. so much worse shit there
1: yeah honestly it's a 12 year old boy like tricking a kiss under like a 16 or 17 year old girl yeah that's not kind of cool but at the same time with the age difference and responsibility it's
0: There's no homophobia, there's no racism, there's no transphobia. This is very good for a kid's movie of the 90s. Don't believe me? Go back and watch a kid's movie from the 90s. Yeah, and
1: since there are apparently new people who are coming up, you know, to college age who have never seen it, fucking go watch it, show people it. Like, it's one of those things, I feel
0: like it should be... Whether you like it or not, you need to know about it. It's like culture. <laughs> it, it, it's good. It's a fun, good movie. I think it's ninety minutes. It always felt like three-hour epic as a kid. Yeah, it's just as a fun movie. I love it.
1: Well, there we go. I only took like eight minutes to talk about to talk about my first one. <laughs>
0: Well, I feel like the majority of our audience should be asking, why the fuck is the Sandlot on here? Everyone knows who the Sandlot is. And then when they find out people don't, they angrily storm out to buy copies to give to the youth.
1: Good. Again, I also agree that this shouldn't be on here, but my experience with younger people has taught
0: me otherwise. All right, I'll take the next one up. Uh, I'm curious if you remember this show, because this one feels like it really is a gone but not forgotten. That's Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles.
1: I did not watch it on purpose. Here's, here's my thing with Terminator. I love Terminator 1 and 2 to a ridiculous amount. Terminator 2 was the first movie that I ever saw that I recognized was more than just entertainment. Like, something in my young brain clicked. It's like, this is important, and I don't know why. So it kind of was the first thing to set me on the path of film as art which I know sounds pretentious because it is pretentious, but I'm just trying to share an experience here. And whether or not the Sarah Sarah Connor Chronicles were any good at the time it came out, all I could think was that's not Linda Hamilton. That's not Sarah Connor. I can't get behind that. I know now it's Lena Headey. So I'm sure that, and she's amazing. So I'm I'm betting I'd like it now, but I didn't, I couldn't get past that at the time it was coming out. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yeah. No, and this also kind of came... This is after Terminator 3. So a lot of people were gun shy, and it's like, I don't think Terminator can be good. And in all honesty, we haven't had a good Terminator movie since T2. Yeah, correct. I hold this up. This is our third Terminator movie, because it's good. (laughs) It does require one thing of you, though, going in, that you accept that Judgment Day is inevitable. And all they can do... Is postponing
1: Which again was a big point of Terminator 2. Was that the, the whole, a big part of the whole idea was that they were completing a circle. That the war with Skynet would, could not be prevented. That the acts of trying to prevent them were going to cause them.
0: Yes. As long as you can explain. Because I know a lot of Terminator fans like, no, Terminator 2 ends it. Why are we still telling the story? Cause like, because it's a fucking circle. It has to happen in order for the events to play out.
1: Well, that's why but Salvation, also, don't get
0: into the don't get into the time travel of Terminator, or your brain's just going to start imploding itself. That's why I had really high hopes for Salvation. I was like, okay, a movie mm-hmm. about the actual war—that
1: should be good. And then what happened? What happened? Happened. So, remember, well, the thing I
0: guess, is riddled with production problems and actor egos and studio problems. And-
1: yeah, but I'm just saying that there was still plenty of room to tell stories within the Terminator franchise without breaking the inherent conceit of. You can't prevent Judgment Day. It's going to (laughs) happen.
0: So, yeah, the real quick and dirty pitch is this show follows Sarah, John, a new Terminator named Cameron, played by – what's her name from Firefly? Why am I blanking on her name now. Summer Glau and Kyle Reese's brother. Okay. They have traveled into the future ahead of Judgment Day because they've, they've still been on the run. They've accepted, like, they are going to keep sending Terminators back to kill you. It's going to keep, you have, we have to be on this. And then they end up, you know, using time travel to try and get ahead of the Terminators and thinking, okay, we've resolved this, we've done. And the through line is, no, the Terminators are still coming. They have to find a way to stop it. And then the big central through line is kind of focusing on John. And what does it do to a person knowing they are destined to be the savior of humanity? They have never had a normal childhood. They have never had a normal, you know, anything and the complex psychology that kind of goes into him. And Sarah Connor having PTSD and feeling guilty about what she's done to John, but knowing that, you know, she has to do this. And then getting to know Kyle Reese as a character through his brother. Because the other thing John did is he sent teams back at various points in history because he's like, I know this is inevitable. I'm going to, you know, station different points in my life because if a Terminator tries to get me at this point, I'm gonna have a team here. So you kind of get to have John Connor backstory without – or not John Connor, Kyle Reese backstory without having Kyle Reese. Okay. And Cameron's really kind of interesting. I don't want to be crass because there's so much more to it. But it's also like why didn't they ever send a sexy teenage robot to assassinate you know, teenage John Connor? (laughs) Yeah. And everyone kind of goes, oh, fuck. Why did we send Arnold? You just send a woman. He's 15. He's not going to even think twice.
1: Well, you know, the T-1000 probably – Would have done that if given the opportunity, but it didn't show up, so.
0: Yeah, but this also gets to explore John's relationship with Terminators and how that keeps going, and both his mother and his uncle going, you cannot trust these machines, they are killing machines, they are meant to kill us, and John wanting to understand them, and it's a great series that ends on an incredible cliffhanger that was then cancelled, because it was on Fox.
1: By the way, sidebar, despite the CG being basically PlayStation 1 era graphics, the T-1000 played by uh, Patrick Roberts, Robert Patrick? Yep, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick is still, to me, one of the most terrifying, inherently viscerally scary villains ever. And it probably helps that he's a cop the entire time. Yeah.
0: (laughs) No, and it works. And this show kind of gets around it because it's a TV show. They don't have big budget. So it's a lot of practical effects. It means a lot of T-1000s. Hmm. And the big one is the first season is they're being hunted by just this one. And then there's the whole second season is about Skynet, the or the, was it Cyberdyne? Is the people that make Skynet? Cyberdyne, yeah. Yeah. The early groups of Cyberdyne discovering a Terminator and trying to teach him to be good and do the humanity and where's that all going to lead. And again, fascinating fucking series that really digs into the meat of Terminator and exploring all these characters and what this does to you. And, of course, it gets fucking canceled because Fox cancels everything good. Yeah. Plus, you
1: know, Lena Headey after Game of Thrones became a household name, which...
0: Well, this is right before Game of Thrones. This is like 2005 to 2007. Mm -hmm. It's funny that we've had
1: two different Game of Thrones actresses play Sarah Connor.
0: Yeah, and they both didn't end well for either of those franchises. Yeah. But again, it's a great show that I feel like everyone that's seen it loves it. But everyone else is kind of like, I have been burned too many times for Terminator. Terminator for TV is not going to get my interest.
1: Admittedly, if you look at the, the balance sheet... There is more crappy Terminator stuff than good Terminator stuff.
0: (laughs) There is so much bad Terminator stuff, which is why this is such like a diamond in the rough. Like, no, we're digging into all this stuff because John has serious issues because he's been told since he was born, you will save the world. What the fuck does that do to a person? Can't have it. It's currently on Hulu. We're watching it now. Hmm. Because even John kind of freaks out. It's like, I just want to be a normal teenager. And Sarah's like, you can't. And I hate that that that's the case for you, but you don't get to have a normal life.
1: "Did you watch Dark Fate?"
0: Ye- no,
1: I didn't watch it do that. I remember hearing mixed things, which was more than I could say with the last <sighs> four movies.
0: People either love it or hate it, but I also know the central plot, and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, no, I feel the same way. But again, I'm really tied to the Terminator's idea of the closed loop, and that you know tie. And they,
0: they try and play with that, but then they just they file the serial number's off, and it's like, it's not Skynet, it's Binet. I'm like, just fucking call it Skynet again! Yeah. Stop it! This isn't new, this isn't interesting, fuck you! You
1: know, it's funny, it got me thinking about, uh, I can't talk about Quantum Leap proper here because I haven't actually seen much of it at all. But, Ooh, Quantum Leap is good. Yeah, but uh, you know how Quantum Leap ends, right?
0: Yeah, that fucking God damn it.
1: Quantum Leap, for the as a quick side note to anybody, Quantum Leap is a sci-fi show that was, uh, was pretty solid about a, a scientist from the future who gets, quote-unquote, sent back in time, but reality, it's just his consciousness gets sent into the bodies of just random people throughout history, essentially, and that he's always quantum leaping into them, and he's desperately trying to get back home to his own body in his own timeline. And when the show got canceled, it ended with a black screen that said... He'd never return home.
0: Dark shit. Yeah, that. Now, this show does end on one of those. What the fuck does that mean? What the fuck happens next? Why? That has haunted us forever.
1: Yeah.
0: It also has an incredible Terminator scene set to Johnny Cash, uh, "The Whirlwind." That's just cops trying to take down a Terminator, and it going exactly how you would expect it to go. Very cool. Very cool.
1: Okay. Let me get my next one out of the way real quick, because just like my first one, this one should not be on this list at all. But I've run into too many people who I had to explain this movie's existence to, which is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Now, if you're listening to this, you probably know exactly what this is. I don't have to explain it to you, but I'm going to anyway, because I've had to explain it to a bunch of people. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a movie from, I want to say the 80s, because it was Bob Hoskins. And hey, I just saw the Super Mario movie, so you know, it's somewhat appropriate. <laughs> but it was an adaptation of a book that I think was Who Killed Roger Rabbit. of course they, yeah. they changed it to because And it was landmark at the time because it was like a combination work of Disney and Universal Studios. So it actually has characters from both of their lexicons in it. Because the basic premise of the movie is that cartoons are not necessarily animated by people they're living entities and actors and they exist alongside our live action world and the movie is a noir it is a straight noir flick about a alcoholic detective who goes on a you know case with what is essentially bugs bunny mixed with goofy as yeah as a character roger rabbit who has been framed for the murder of the head of an animation studio, which I'm actually clear what an animation studio is in the context of their world, but that's a, another quote entirely. Point is, Roger Rabbit's framed for a murder, and Bob Hoskins' character has to help him figure out who framed him and why, and it's got things like a piano battle between Daffy Duck and Donald Duck. <laughs> you know, Or oh, there's, yeah. there's a sequence that has Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny in it, and they have the exact same number of frames in the movie because that was part of the contract between Disney and Universal. Uh,
0: someone needs to make a documentary about the fucking fighting that must have gone on in getting this movie because it's everybody. Every cartoon character, big, small, iconic, no matter who you, is in this one movie.
1: Yeah, and I'm not – I don't know if it was the first time they did, like, live action with cartoons. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure it was not.
0: It they've was the, done it before, but this is the best example. Like, yeah. it's
1: fucking seamless. And they've also done it since, and I'd argue still not better.
0: Yeah, no. Everyone's like, oh, the new Chippendales is just a legacy sequel to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Fuck off with that fucking bullshit, you fucking liars. Uh,
1: well, the reason why that's valid is because, first of all, Roger Rabbit appears in the Chippendale movie, and second of all, it follows the same principle of, now, quality? Different conversation, necessarily, especially because as much as I like the Chippendale movie, I don't like the subtext of it, but... It it has the same idea of oh cartoons living alongside real people.
0: Yeah, actors. Living. it's there, but that no, that's that's not a fair comparison.
1: Yeah, it's but like it's, saying it's a steakhouse
0: burger is equivalent to a McDonald's burger—they're both functionally cheeseburgers.
1: It's okay. It's more of a fair comparison than saying Looney Tunes back in action or Space Jam are like it. Like it.
0: okay, that's fair. I I didn't like the Rescue Rangers movie, but it is better than Space Jam.
1: I'm just saying that whether it's better or not, it's not the point. It's closer to what Hugh frame Roger Rabbit is, especially because it's a mystery, a mystery involving live action cartoon characters interacting together. You know, a lot going on there. But yeah, point is, it's a ridiculously fun movie. It's got a lot of great, like good secrets. It's got Christopher Lloyd being intimidating and also goofy as hell because Christopher Lloyd is a really weird talent for that. So,
0: yeah, no, this movie, again, childhood staple.
1: I feel like most people who I've run into who don't know it, at the very least, they've seen Jessica Rabbit, because Jessica Rabbit is fucking everywhere.
0: That awoke things in many of us before we knew what those things were.
1: Exactly. Jessica
0: Rabbit, of course, Rod She gets that iconic line, I'm not bad, I was just drawn that way. Yeah.
1: But I feel like I meet so many people who just are, have not actually seen the movie, have seen some stuff from it without even knowing what it is I, mean,
0: I feel like this roger and jessica fucking permeated the internet from like the day the internet was born because of course porn jessica rabbit makes sense obviously i don't know what it's currently available on but i'm just saying disney
1: that, plus there you go if your only interaction with it has been through memes or through not safe for work art the actual movie still kicks ass it's one of it's in my like top 30 i don't remember where but
0: it's, oh, it's a good movie. I watched rewatched it recently with my daughter. She kind of dug it, and she kind of didn't. But also, was able to go back as the dog going, "There is so much shit they snuck in under the you know." Well, for being the a movie about,
1: for being a movie about cartoons, it's not a kids' movie, like really at all. No. It's a, it's a noir. It's like it's closer to L.A. noir than it is to anything else. It just happens to utilize cartoon characters.
0: Well, it just reminded me in the pre whatever we want to call these days. When your family sat down and watched a movie, you watched the movie whether you liked it or not because there wasn't anything else to do. Yeah. So if they threw in cartoons, at least the kids were going to have something that you know pull them through, and the adults got the you know the booby trap joke.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, the booby trap. That's right.
0: <laughs> I, I laughed like that is perfect. I hate puns, but I love that one. Oh, there's a lot and the of- prohibition style jokes and there's a lot of adult jokes in there, but also fucking Christopher Lloyd scarring a generation.
1: Yeah, but also, again, Daffy Duck and Donald Duck have a piano battle, and it's wonderful.
0: <laughs> yes. No, they call out what Betty Boop always was right out the gate, which I never caught until I'm an adult. I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Also, if you don't know, look up the history of Betty Boop. It all makes sense. Yeah,
1: but also Bob Hoskins is just one of those actors. Bob like,
0: Hoskins is fucking great.
1: Yeah, he's wonderful. I was recently watching a interview with John Leguizamo, and he was talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie, the old one, and... I was surprised to find out that a lot of people come up to him and tell him they love that movie because it's kind of universally hated on the internet. But you know what? I'm glad he hears positive things about it because I think John Leguizamo is an underrated actor at this point. But he was talking about that Bob Hoskins on that set said something like, I won an Oscar and now I'm doing a video game movie. What has my life become? Yeah. So he's about to have a crotchety guy, but he played that role very well <laughs> of being a crotchety guy. They
0: were guy. apparently drunk the entire time. Yes, yes. Which, okay, that makes sense. And that movie's its own thing. But they're both – Bob Hoskins was a good casting for Mario, and John Leguizamo was a great casting for Luigi. Yeah. No, that movie's problems were not them. <laughs> no, that – probably everything else with that. I'm
1: movie. not going to sit here and try to defend that movie despite saying there are people – There is playing. no defending it. it. I, I'm i glad that Leguizamo hears positive things about it, that it has a following. It's a terrible movie, but it's not – his or bob hoskins fault
0: <laughs> yeah i know that goes in the pile of movies that twitter has not tried to redeem yet everyone's like no that one that one's bad
1: yeah but the new super mario brothers movie for the record is pretty good <laughs> we'll talk about it in another recording so we'll have that that's somewhere
0: in the pile anyway
1: go ahead with your last one
0: do we want to do the last one or we want to wrap her up
1: uh let's see we are currently at 56 minutes so we can wrap
0: Yeah, because yeah, the last one I have on here, I'll save for another time. It was just in break glass in case of emergency.
1: Yeah, yeah, you got it for later.
0: So let's roll into suggestions of the week.
1: All right, well then, let me get mine out of the way real quick because the likelihood of Ulrich seeing this is very low, even though I think he might actually like it. Is there's a film that came out this last week called Suzume? Suzume is made by uh, Makoto Shinkai, the same guy who made Your Name and Weathering with You. And I heard a terrible joke that Wundwag told me uh, that there was some like cracked or onion article or something like Makoto Shinkai, Japanese director, good enough that Western audiences remember his name, (laughs) something like that. And it is, if you've seen his other two movies, you know what you're getting into. It's gorgeously animated. It's going to be based in a combination of modernity versus tradition when it comes to Japanese culture. It's going to have some supernatural element that impedes on what is otherwise everyday life. Although this one leans a little harder into the supernatural element than those other two did. And it's going to be sad. It's going to be really, really fucking sad because that's what Makoto Shinkai does. (laughs) The plot, as it were, is that there's this girl, this like teenage girl, she's living in the southern part of Kyushu, I think, like the most southern part of Japan. And one day while going to school, she sees someone asks her for directions to somewhere, and she has a strange feeling that she's met him before, and when she tries to find him again in the ruins of an abandoned town near her town, she finds a door, and that door, it ends up leading to a whole lot of crazy shit involving trauma and earthquakes and giant demon worms. (laughs) It's it's really hard to explain, but, oh, and at one point a character gets turned into an object, in a way that felt very Pixar y, but was actually really fun. And there's a crazy evil demon cat that maybe isn't actually that evil. I'm explaining this in a way that makes it actually sound a lot more spastic than it is, but it it's a gorgeous movie. It's not quite as good as the other two, but if you can see it in theaters, you should. It's worth your time.
0: I've been hearing a lot about this, but ultimately I'm like, it's an anime. Anime isn't really my thing. Here's, here's what so I'll say. We'll probably watch this.
1: Here's what I'll say, all real quick. I think Suzume might be a little too much for you, but I think you'd like Your Name, which, by the way, is the most successful Japanese film of all time.
0: I've heard of that one as well.
1: Yeah, well, because I think you'd like Your Name because it's a little more grounded, and it's a little more grounded in ideas that I think you'd be familiar with. So I'm not guaranteeing you.
0: I'm still working on what my problem with anime is, and I've largely come to conclude my biggest bias against anime is a direct result of having to experience anime people through my adolescent and, you know, early 20s.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Like I said, I'm, I'm not telling you that you necessarily like Makoto Shinkai's work, but it is very different than a lot of stuff you've probably seen. And I think at least your name deserves your attempt. But for now, for everyone else, if you can see Suzume, check it out. Oh, and it's spelled S-U-Z-U-M-E, if my pronunciation isn't coming through.
0: All right. I'm going to talk about another podcast, The uh, Greatest Pod, which I got to give these guys credits to the name. Okay. Um, This is a podcast very akin to our own, and their tagline is where we discuss and debate what makes something great. And they've done things like, what is the greatest Arnold movie? Who is the greatest superhero team of all time?
1: Uh, Hold on. Greatest Arnold movie is probably Predator, greatest superhero team and of anything i mean at that point it's probably got to be the justice league but
0: well what they do there is they're like dc so like they build their teams out of all these characters from all these ones you know fill different things but they've also done great so like the most recent one they did what is the greatest film score of all time and talking about all the great film scores and discussing and debating oh that was really good or oh that one was not so good or everyone forgets about this one
1: greatest film score I mean, it's probably Star Wars. I don't want it to be Star Wars, but it probably is.
0: But the thing is, they don't come down on hard answers. This is all discussion and debate, yeah, and they just great. kind of get into the nitty-gritty. They Again, they have ranging of topics, but it's a lot like us, but more so. You know and what? They Quick, run... T-
1: sidebar, Teenage Mutant Turtles, the greatest superhero team. And I will defend that. I just thought... Anyway,
0: go on. But yeah, that's what the episode like. They've had other great episodes. They talked about, you know, how comics can be used to shift the Overton window. The what window? The Overton window, which is something I didn't know about before I heard it describe this. But it is the generally agreed upon what is socially acceptable by the masses. Uh-huh. And, you know, like right now, Nazis are sitting real close on that edge of the acceptance or they're trying to push it.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And their whole thing is talking about that and how comics for the longest time, you know, what comics talk about is actually a very big indicator in what pop culture deems acceptable.
1: Yeah, I can see that
0: and it's like i never would have thought of this question. So yeah, this is a fantastic podcast. I've been a fan of these guys for a long long time. And is, is it if you like us you're going to like them. And if you like them you're probably going to like us. Hmm. All right, cool. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do any and all the things that the algorithm demands of you, especially if you are on any of the podcast hosting sites that have an algorithm where you can give it data such as ratings or comments or
1: shares or whatever. So I know Spotify is one of those, but we're on a bunch of other ones in addition to that. And things like, you know, iHeartRadio, whatnot. I don't I don't, keep a, I don't have a list in front of me anymore. But we're, if you look us up, we're probably going to be there. Anyway, but if there is some platform you'd like us to be on that we're not currently, then tell us about it and we'll look into
0: it. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And the Shield Brother Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay honorable.